Awesome. 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 Hey, isn't it great to worship? Isn't it awesome to put all your focus on God and His greatness? Isn't it, isn't it have in mind? To focus on what God has in mind instead of what you have in mind? That's the purpose of worship. We get to focus all on Him and praise Him. And so I'm just so grateful to have you here with a family that's come to dedicate their daughter in front of all of you. That takes guts. So uh, please be seated. And as you're seated, I want to introduce you to Christopher and Ashley Wallace. They are on my right, your left. This is Christopher and Ashley. They've been attending for a long time. And during that time, we have gotten to meet Harper Rose Nunn. Where's Harper down there? She's, if you look through the cracks of the people in front of you, you'll see her down here. And her younger sister, Phoenix Bryn. Phoenix Bryn, how come your generation has all the cool names? <laughs> it's like you guys take more time in naming. We're simple. John, Smith, John, anyways, Jane, Doe. So Christopher and Ashley come to dedicate Phoenix Bryn, who was born July 7th, rather July 13th, 2017, which means she is one years old. How's my math? Am I right? She's one years old. This is the verse that this family has in mind for her. It's this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you hope and a future. And that's your desire for Phoenix Bryn, I'm assuming. You want her to have hope. You want her to experience God's plan for her. We're going to talk about that this morning. And I have something for you here. Here is a gift. This is a Bible for her. It's pictorial Bible. She'll love it. And this is one of the most important things, I think, for parents to know is the word from Deuteronomy. Here, O o Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and your strength. And while, while you are with your children, impress the word on your kids. Tell them your Jesus story. Talk about God's word. When you sit at home, which I know you don't get much time to do, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, because you two are the number one teachers. Grateful for your parents that are here to celebrate. Thanks for joining in this. So I want to begin, I want to kind of bring things to a close by asking Chris and Ashley, will you do all in your power to make certain that Phoenix is in a position to make Jesus the leader of her life and to follow him? Will you do that? Okay. Uh, and congregation, so long as you get to know and work with Chris and Ashley, will you do all in your power to support them? If so, signify by saying we will. We will. We will. We've got a couple other families out here, members I want to introduce you to, a couple brothers. Would you guys stand? You two gentlemen right there, aren't you with this family? Yeah, I'm glad I'm right. This would be real embarrassing. Good to have you guys here. Way to support. Way to support. All right, let me, let me lead in a prayer, and then you guys can be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for... Phoenix, thank you for the health you've given her, the parents who love her, the grandparents and extended family. We just ask that she will be like Hannah, who says, here I am, Lord, speak, your servant listens. 
Will she be willing, like Mary, to do whatever the Lord asks? Because nothing is too impossible for him. Thank you for Phoenix Bryn. Thank you for her family, her grandparents, and her extended family. Now bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Congratulations. My pleasure, Christopher. My pleasure, Ashley. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. You guys can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. How is everyone this morning? Awesome to get to be with you. We are in a series, if you're visiting today, called The Gospel of John. And the series is called Good News for a Change. Good News for a Change. And what we're looking at today is the good news that we all need to hear but often resist. Are there, is there news or bits of information that you resist personally? How many of you resist getting on the scale at home? Just be honest, okay? How many of you resist getting lab results from your doctor? Some of you youngers don't even know what we're talking about. Like, what is that? Doctor? They have doctors for Labrador retrievers? What? How many of you resist having conversations with your neighbors? How many of you resist pulling weeds? How many of you have let those weeds go all summer and you're proud of it? You walk out and you say, they're glorious, glorious weeds. They're beautiful. How many of you resist spending money? You can't stand spending money. That's all you think about, right? You're not going to lunch today. If you do, it won't be, it won't be Chevy's on the river. It'll be Wendy's on the river. But lucky for you, it doesn't exist anymore. So you don't have to go to lunch, right? There's stuff we resist, but we need to hear. That's where we're headed today. There's stuff we resist, but need to hear. And the question we're going to ask today is, what is it we need to hear, but often resist? We hear it, but we don't want to hear it. Or would any of you be honest that there's just some stuff you don't want to hear? I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Don't don't talk about that. Do not go there. Do not go there, honey. Uh Uh-uh. We don't talk about that. All right? So here's what we know about the good news. The good news must be believed. When you choose to believe in the good news, that's where the true life is. Belief, though, for a lot of people is, con- is considered just a religious word, and I'll show you how it's not. it's not. Belief is not just a religious word. In fact, if you have no religion at all in your background, this message has some relevance for you. The Gospel of John, that means the good news of John. John was the co-worker of Jesus who was the most loved of all of them. Really, he identifies himself as that. I was the most loved. Very humble guy. And he includes in his rather short narrative the word believe 83 times. And the whole summary of John is that if you believe this message, you will have the life that is truly life. You'll really enjoy your life if you believe it. And the reason belief is important is because what I believe impacts how I live. You don't think so? I'll show you. See, what you, you're, the way you live begins with a belief, then it on goes with a behavior, and that behavior becomes a life pattern. It, it really is your destiny, what you believe. As it relates to some of the self-inflicting things we do or sin, it's because we believed a lie. We believe a lie. And you're going to see today that the devil is described by Jesus as the father of all lies. His language is lying. That's what he does. When he speaks, it's always a lie. And then what I believe about me 
What you believe about you, you is directly linked to what you believe about Jesus. So here's a few examples of how belief affects us. A grand, so on the positive, we have a grandson associated with our staff who was told when he was a kid, you should go to Stanford. He's one of 800 freshmen that were accepted. See, when you listen to the right voices, those voices can send you on a trajectory that is the life that's truly life. But the problem is we don't always listen to the right voices. For example, one doctor associated with a friend of mine told him, this is a physician, he told him, I've always felt like I was stupid since I was a kid. I've always felt dumb. He felt dumb through med school. He felt dumb through his internship. He felt dumb while operating a practice. He felt dumb. And the reason he felt dumb is because someone very significant told him when he was young, you're dumb. What you believe, it's not just a religious term, it affects your life. How about this one? I thought this one resonated with me. Very recently in the greater Placer County area, uh, someone lost a spouse in their 70s. And that spouse that was left was left with uh, plenty, plenty. Millions. And yet, when this couple lived together, when during the course of their marriage, the wife of this couple was never willing to travel. Husband always wanted to travel. Let's travel. Let's go have some fun. Let's have some great memories. And you know what she believed? We don't have enough money. We don't have enough. She believed the lie of scarcity. She has enough. But you know what she doesn't have now without her husband? The hope of ever having memories of doing what he wanted to do and travel the world. They had enough resources to travel the world 20 times. Do we believe lies sometimes that we don't have enough? And the consequence is we miss out on great family memories. (sighs) I don't want to be there. How many of you are like, okay, not doing that one? We have to be very careful what we believe. Belief is not just a religious word. Belief is something that affects who you become. So that's what's at stake by not really listening to Jesus today. Is you could be in a mental rut where you still believe you are who your mother or first grade teacher or father said you were. Let me tell you. You may need to believe today you're God's child, that you're beloved, that he has a plan for you that is the best. You believe that he wants to be, that is the most important thing you believe today. And you believe that he wants to be united with you today in baptism. He wants you to be public about your commitment to follow him. Maybe that's you. The cost of not listening is you're in a rut a rut. We want you to get out of the rut. So here's where we're at. We're in this story presented by the disciple whom Jesus loved the most, and he talked about it a lot. I think I would have too if Jesus seemed to like me the most. I would have told everyone. Instagram, Facebook, I'm loved. I'm the most. I'm the, all the time. So this passage, this is the first and sustained conflict, confrontation. Jesus wasn't afraid of conflict. Did you know that? But he didn't yell. He wasn't a yeller. Isn't that cool? Someone who wasn't afraid of conflict but didn't yell. Love that. It's a good example. 
in this, in this conflict, he name drops, he self-references himself multiple times as the I am. Do you know who the I am is? That's the God who revealed himself to Moshe, Moses. So he's before this audience and he's saying, Yahweh is in the house. They're like, what are you talking about? You're, you're five foot six, you weigh 140 pounds, you don't look regal to us at all except that you're the most incredible teacher we've ever heard. Hmm. The four people in this narrative are Jesus, the religious leaders, a woman caught in adultery, and the people. That's who's here. The five ideas in this passage is hypocrisy versus forgiveness, legacy versus truth, assassination, which they wanted. These these were violent people. Let's talk about all these. Here's what I'm going to do. Beginning with the piece where Jesus comes back into the city. It's the city of Jerusalem is, is, the, is the setting. And the occasion is the Feast of Tabernacles. And I realize that's just a word you don't use very often. But the tabernacle referred to the shelters that the Hebrews used when they were in the wilderness. And this Feast of Tabernacles is all about remembering how God provided for the Hebrews during the Feast of Tabernacles. Is anyone hot in here? One, okay, we got a couple hot, hot ones. They're hot, okay. Could have said that better, could have said that better. Okay, here we go. So the question is, if we're in the wilderness, which we all are, are we hearing and heeding God's voice? And if you hear God's voice today, are you one who obeys it? Or do you have a heart that hardens? Because you know what we know about the sun? The same sun that hardens clay melts wax. We get to, you get to choose today on how the Spirit speaks. It either gets harder or softer. It's your choice. You get to choose today on how the Spirit speaks to you. So what is it we need to hear but often resist? And what you may need to hear but often resist is you have a relationship that has become bitter to you and, and even hurtful. You've become angry and it's affecting you today, and you're in a relationship, you, and you need to hear from God on how to address that. You may be here today, and you're in a relationship, you need out, you need to run, because it's got you involved in sexual immorality, which God does not like, and will judge, and you need to run, like, like, jo- like Joseph did in, in Genesis. Okay? You may be here, and you're about to make a big old business decision. You're, this, the market's right. You're about ready to go for it. But you haven't asked God if it's a good decision. You haven't consulted the Lord. You could be making the worst decision in your life. In fact, someone close to you might be saying, you're about to make a bad decision. What are you doing? Okay. What is it we need to hear and often resist? Maybe that describes you. So here it is. Number one, what you need to hear and often resist is there is a way out. So I'm going to look at nine verses in the, of these 59 verses that really kind of highlight the, the debate, the conversation Jesus is having. And the first is this, there's a way out. There's a way out. So when I get to the red, I'll slow down. You read with me if you can. Here it is. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See that? Do you, do, you, do you hear him referencing the metaphor of light as it relates to the wilderness? I'll get you there. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you 
hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth has the ability to give you great freedom if you'll hear it and you'll obey it. There is a way out. This story that our globe has been following for the last three weeks is quite a story. This Thai middle school soccer team called the Wild Hogs, they were celebrating a 13th birthday. It was a birthday party. They left the cake and did what middle school kids do. They went on an adventure. They did something fun. At one of their favorite caves, which is kind of like, it's, it's actually regionally known in Thailand, and they walked into the entrance and they just, two and a half miles. All of a sudden, flash flooding, water levels rose, and now there was access Now the access got closed in through this cave sometimes was only as wide as 40 centimeters. Very, very narrow. There's 13 kids here and divers from all over the world, Australia, Belgium, U.S. Air Force special divers, Thai divers. They had to figure out a way that they're going to get all the way here with tanks because they have most of it was underwater and bring these boys home who don't even know how to swim. What a birthday party, huh? And these boys are so sweet. They they sent messages to their parents. Please don't be angry at our coach. I like that. Take care of the coach, right? Take care of our coach. He's volunteering. How many of you are coaches in here? You got the toughest job in the world. You do. It's tough. I know there's other coaches in here, but take care of his coach. Anyways... They trained and brought these boys out, all 13 of them, through water that was so murky, it sometimes only had three inches of visibility. And when they, if you watch some of this, as they were going through here, they they would emerge from out from the water, these divers, and look around, yell, couldn't hear anything. When they got to this area, they smelled the kids. Isn't that cute? They smelled them. Probably all that candy they were enjoying. I don't know. But they, they brought all these kids out. They got them out. They did what was impossible. And I'm here to say that while you're, the way Jesus gets you out and leads you might not be the way you imagined. For example, do you know what this team wanted to do? Leave the boys there for two months. They're like, two months, it'll be safe. I hope none of those mothers heard that plan. <laughs> uh, we're not doing that. I'll go in there myself, some of those moms. But it was because rains were coming in two or three days, it was, it was urgent. So the way God will get you out is sometimes, thank you, is sometimes not the way you imagine him to take you out. You've got to be willing to trust him. You've got to be willing to trust that he's smarter than you. Is it possible? These moms were jubilant. Their boys came home. And I love the story that they were invited to come to the World Cup Finals. Isn't that awesome? Did you hear that? All expenses paid, but they weren't ready. World Cup Finals. I'm not going to talk about those right now. All right, here's what's hard to hear. What's hard to hear is this. I'm going to give you three good news pieces and three three hard-to-hear pieces. The hard-to-hear news is we're all far more lost than we admit. All of us. And the way out is to look to the light. 
in the wilderness that the Feast of Tabernacles is memorializing, God provided his Hebrew nation of 600 to 2 million, which is what they grew to in 40 years. He provided them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he left it in front of them, in front of the people. So that during the day, you always knew where you were going. And at night, when you're out and cobras are up, backing their heads at you, you can see them. What, what's our pillar of light? What's our pillar of light? How do we see? What does the psalmist say? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Your word. Your word. What word? The words. How many of you are readers? You read Patterson. You've read all of all the great books. Fun. You love to read. You, you actually replenish by reading or listening to audiobooks. Anybody? Okay, some great summer reads. Let me ask, when's the last time you opened the book in your home? You know, I'm talking about you. When's the last time you opened the light in your home? Can you say that you're walking in the light if you never turn it on? And I realize sometimes we're afraid of this book because it might say something that's hard for us to hear. Right? And there's, there are occasions where, ah, that was hard. I read something this week. I was like, yeah, that was hard to hear. It was in the book of Numbers. I don't recommend that as your first read. <laughs> but we, we say we're Christians, but we don't open up the Christian manifesto. And yet it was written in plain language so we could understand it. And so I ask you to make this a part of your daily life, every day, so that you live in the light. This is like suiting up. This is like suiting up every morning. This is how you put your suit on. This is how you put your, 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 your sperries on. This is how you put your, or depending upon what kind of day, you put your rainbows on. This is how you suit up. You're ready, whatever you're doing. If you're pulling weeds, you're going to work. Little time in the Word. We challenge people to give Jesus five minutes of turning the light on every day. Sacrifice a little TV for getting up a little earlier and getting in the Word. Any questions on this? I'll take one. Okay, not that one. All right. How do we hear what we need to hear? When it comes to God to you, if no one in your family wants to read the Bible to you, then play it on version. It's awesome. Play it two times. If you get bored, it's fast. It's awesome. You can get through a lot of material. Spend time in intimate prayer with God. What that means is say, God, speak to me. I'm listening. And listen. Hear his voice. Go to church. Make it a priority. And when you're here, make notes. We provide you outlines so you can follow And make notes about where the Holy Spirit's talking to you. Here's why I believe this is so important. One act of obedience in your life could completely change everything. In other words, if you make it your ambition to obey the voice you're hearing, you're golden. Why do I say that? Because I know that God rewards us for our faithfulness and righteousness. David said, God rewards me for my faithfulness and righteousness. 
He is a rewarder for those who obey him. And David was willing, unlike anyone, to do whatever God asked of him. So if that's your disposition, you're golden. Lord, whatever you ask, I'll obey. You have that kind of yes, sir, yes, yes, Lord disposition. You're going to enjoy the good life constantly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So there's only four people raised their hand. Examine my heart at communion. You're going to have a chance to this morning. When we remember Christ's sacrifice, you're going to have a chance to say, Lord, what voice do I need to hear? One is, there's a way out. Number two is, we were meant to live for so much more. We were meant to live for so much more. And Jesus really captures this in this dialogue. He says this, but he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. So sin is this virus we all have. And we're either getting better or getting worse. My friend, Dr. Wayne Bigelow, who was in his 80s five or six years ago, told me, you know, Scott, as we get older, we either get crankier and more bitter and more crass or we get better. You're, just, you're either trending up and to the right or down and to the right. You're either growing in Christ from glory to glory or you're getting worse and worse. It's kind of like this. You're either getting leaner or fatter. Does that connect with you? Right? It's hard to maintain, isn't it? Yeah, more of them. And Jesus is saying, if you do not believe that I am he and that we are sins, oh, he's making a universal application that We all have sin, and if we don't let him help us deal with it, we're going to be in a rut. Do you know how nice it is to not be addicted to sin? It's so fun as a guy, straight up, as a guy. Can I talk to the men for a second? Do you know how, men, do you know how nice it is to have control of your eyes? It's awesome. Do you know how nice it is to have control of your heart? You're, You're content with what you have? You don't covet your neighbor's house? You don't covet your neighbor's wife? You don't covet your neighbor's donkey? Do you know how nice that is? Ladies, I bet it's equally nice for you to to live in such a way where you don't compare yourself with others because you know you're God's child. You don't need to measure up to that. That's that's a lie from from the world. And, And ladies, I bet you enjoy this kind of freedom when you've received your husband as God's gift to you. And you've left your mother and father as awesome as they are. And you cleave to your husband. That's freedom. That's the good life. And ladies, you're proud of how beautiful you are. The only person you need to hear that from is your husband. Or single ladies from your dad. Nobody else. That's the good life. That's the good life. That's the free life. Do you know how wonderful it is to not be worried about money? To not be like, oh, I'll never have enough. To not spend money you don't have. To pay all your debts. To owe no one nothing. Okay, not many of us are there yet, but we hope to be, right? That's the good life. That's what Jesus wants us to experience. He wants us to get free. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin desires to master us. Remember that Genesis narrative? When Cain was about to kill his brother, God came to Cain and said, Cain, you look depressed. What's wrong? 
Cain said, oh, nothing, I'm fine. I'm good. God said, sin is desiring to master you. Wake up. Hear God's voice. Did Cain hear God's voice? No, he killed his brother. Because he was controlled by the flesh, not by the spirit. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Let's do that again. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. That's, that's, that's if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. That's, that's, that's MLK material right there. Here's what's hard to hear. We are responsible for our heart. We control our mind. We are the sum of our decisions on how we respond to certain situations. So what do you do? What voice do you need to hear? Here it is. You need to believe, you need to change your course by believing Jesus' best plan for you. You need to change your course by believing Jesus has the best plan for you. That's why when he asks you to do something and you're like, I'm not doing that. Your neighbors invite you over for a meal. That neighbor you don't like, you're like, oh, we're not going. There's no way. Right? Or that relative reaches out to you, and you're like, there's, there's no way. We're, they they want to get together. Are you serious that we're not doing that? That's, yeah, they, that RV they drive, and oh, they, there's no way. Our nature is to not want to do what God's asking us to do. And yet he's saying, your biggest problem is that you don't believe I have what's best in mind for you. You think you know what's best, but you don't. Let me give you an example. Do you remember what happened in the wilderness of Egypt, the Sinai Desert, where the Hebrews were there for 40 years? You know what happened? The Hebrew people started complaining. They grumbled. The Hebrew word for grumble is grumble. They... And it sounds like this. He brought us out here. You know why God brought us out here, Moses? No, I can't talk to you, Moses. I'm going to talk to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, keep this between me and you. You know, confidentiality, it stays within. Hey, this Moses, God brought him out here. You know why? To kill us. God wanted, didn't want us to have a normal burial in Egypt. He brought us out here to Egypt because he really just wanted to kill us. Your God, Yahweh, which also is I am, that God, he, you can't trust him. <laughs> Joshua's like, all right. And do you know what happened after a while? God kept hearing everybody complain. And you know what God said? You keep telling me I brought you out here to kill you. It was not my plan. But I'm so sick of hearing it, I've redesigned the plan. We're going to go with your plan. And you're all going to die in the wilderness. You just scripted your future with your grumbling. Don't we do the same? Do you want your script or God's script? Resist grumbling about what's going on. And instead look to him and look to his plan that's best. Always believe he, just like we read in John chapter 6, Jesus asked his disciples, who's going to feed this crowd that could fill Golden One Arena? Who's going to feed this crowd? And what does the scripture say? Because Jesus was just testing them because he already had in mind what he was going to do. 
guess what? Jesus will test you. And he's wanting to know whether or not you believe that he already knows what he's going to do. Or will you take actions into your own hands? Believe in his plan. Thirdly, Jesus gives us more than we deserve or understand. This is a little lofty, I would admit. But Jesus' language here is lofty. This is what it is. Jesus says to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing what the Father has taught me. Here's the deal. Jesus will often give us way more than we deserve. This is Yahweh, God. The God in Genesis 1 who says, let us make man in our own image. Us, plural. It's Jesus. He's before the Hebrews. He, he's not, he's no one that everyone's like, oh, this has got to be God. Look at him. He looks like Matt Damon. He looks like uh, Brad Pitt. He's got to be Jesus. Look at that. Wow. He lifts, obviously. <laughs> but no. He's not, and that's why Jesus said, we talked about it last week, do not judge according to appearances. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're about to lift me up. I'm the son of man, which David descri- uh, Daniel described as the future ruler of Israel. In about the 5th century BC, Daniel said, the son of man is coming. Jesus sa- is saying, you're going to lift up the son of man. What are you ta- there must be like, what are you talking about? What's he referring to? Lift up the Son of Man. He's referring to the cross. Where he's going to be lifted up and sacrificed. And then Jesus says, then you will know I am he. Oh, once he said that, he's picking a fight. Because he's, he's likening himself to God. And that I do nothing on my own. And he's completely humble. He says, everything I'm teaching, I learn from my Father in heaven. Here's what's hard to hear. What's hard to hear and sometimes understand is that our sin requires a sacrifice. Here's God's economy of relationships and guilt. It's true for the Jew. It's true for the Christian. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So if someone has not yet made a decision to believe that Jesus' suffering on the cross where he shed his blood was for their forgiveness. Though God loves them, he does, God does not, hasn't been paid. The price has to be paid. It has to be paid, our holy God. And it was paid by Jesus' blood. If you're without that sacrifice for your sins, you don't have peace with God. It has nothing to do with what you do or what you've done. It has everything to do with your humility and willingness to trust that what Christ did was enough on the cross. Okay? So maybe that's a decision you make today. And if you're like, oh, there's no way I could believe that, I would ask you, why? What evidence is lacking for you? Research it. Okay? Be, a, be a, a healthy skeptic, not a hardened skeptic. In closing... My sons always tell me, Dad, don't say in closing, that sounds like you're almost done when you're probably going another hour. (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, You have no idea how highly criticized I am in my own home after sermons. You have no idea. You would love it, and I would welcome it. I actually welcome the feedback. Here's what we need to know about Jesus. God is nearer than we realize. And here's the case in point. Jesus says to them, coming towards the end of this chapter, it's like verse 58, 
Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, that's like 2000 BC, I am. And what did they do after he said that? They did what people do in the Middle East today. They picked up stones to kill him. Here's the idea. They're in in the presence of Almighty God, and they can't see it. Here's, Here's my question. Is God working in your life in a way where you can't see it? Because your heart is hardened? Here's a test for you. Test. Just a few moments, we're going to baptize some children and one adult. In the early church, when someone made a first-time decision to believe in Jesus, first time, I'm ready to make Jesus Lord of my life, they were baptized immediately. Immediately, just like that. They were dunked, just like Jesus, buried in water. And yet, a lot of Christians, for some reason, put that off for years. And yet, you look at the pattern, and it's immediate. Why do you suppose that is? What is it about us that we delay? Sometimes they think it's kind of like a couple that, that doesn't want to say, I do or I will, but they want all the benefits. Baptism is that moment where you say, I will take you, Jesus, from this day forward to have and to hold for better, for worse, richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Some people are going to make that decision today. How come you're not in there? It's not too late. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. You'll still dunk. And if you're afraid of water, I'll go in with you. It's the last service. I could probably do it. It'll be tight. It's a small area, but we'll do it together. But I share that with you because it's what Christ followers do. I don't get any credit or bonus for you being baptized, okay? I really don't. What's hard to hear is that God's son had to suffer and die on a cross for us. He did. He had to suffer, and he asks you to suffer as you follow him. Here's the big idea today. It's what I ask you to consider. And I'm going to ask those that are prepared to serve communion, would you please uh, position yourself for that? Hear God's voice today and change your course. What's God saying to you about a relationship? Are you in a relationship that you need to run away from because there's sexual immorality involved? God will judge that. Are are you in a, are you, do you have a bitterness towards someone that's affecting your health and anxiety because you can't forgive them? Here's my challenge for you. Start praying that God would bless them. It'll be the hardest prayer you ever pray. Start praying for those who've hurt you. Pray blessing. Hey, that's a good question. What if they're dead? I would say you maybe ask Jesus to, if it relates, seizing that or not addressing that earlier. Lord, forgive me for not seizing that moment with that friend or family member and making things right. And then when you get another opportunity, jump on it. I see people all the time, their health is affected by the mere fact that they can't forgive. It affects their whole body on very extreme levels. So what do you do? Start praying blessing for them? Here's how you do it. God, 
please bless that person. It'll be the hardest prayer you've ever prayed, and you'll see great things happen. The biggest thing that'll happen, your heart will change. Isn't that right? Your heart will change. Is that the voice you need to hear today? So listen, this is related to the wilderness experience. Here it is. So the Holy Spirit says, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. And so my my question to you today is this. How's God speaking to you? And are you willing to say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. I'm ready to obey, whatever it is. That's the posture that drove Christ to the cross. He was willing to suffer for your sins. Maybe you're here. You've never believed that that blood was sacrificed so you could have a relationship with God. Maybe today's your day. Today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've spoken today. We want to hear from you what you have for us personally. God, I pray that you would remove all distractions and that you would help us just see the humble Christ in the city of Jerusalem saying, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you will know I am he. Help us understand how incredible he was today. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to believe that his sacrifice was enough to satisfy God, You've never done that, and you're ready to. I challenge you right from where you're seated to say, today, I believe that Jesus' blood was spilt for me. Right from where you're at, today, I believe Jesus' blood was spilt for me. For the first time, I want to become a Christian. I want to accept Jesus Christ. And if that's you, right from where you're seated, I challenge you to raise your hand. Let me know, confidentially. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? Yes, Frankie, I see your hand. Anybody else? Anyone else saying, yep, I'm ready to believe in that perfect sacrifice for my sins, for my forgiveness. Anybody else? Raise your hand. That's you. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. It, it, it legally, completely covers all of our sin, all sin. How many of you are here today and you're like, I know I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but I'm not free of bitterness I'm not free of coveting. I'm not free of comparison. And I want to be free. I'm not free of sexual immorality. I want to be free. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for all those that are here and I, that are saying, yeah, I'm not free. I pray you'd help them follow your spirit to enjoy the freedom that comes from a spirit-led life. Amen. Amen. We're at that part in our communion time where we hear God's voice. We go to church, and while we're there, we examine our heart as, as at communion. This is where we re- 